Hi, I'm Wack. Hi, and I'm Pat. And thanks for joining us for the first episode of 2024 of the Weekly Orbit. Um, Wack, today's show is going to be a special one. We're going to preview some of the bullishness that we're expecting for 2024. And so yeah. before we do that, how was your new year? Yeah, it was good. Thanks. It was, um, I'm at that age now where my new year's is like, I'm asleep at midnight. So that's pretty much what it was. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I, but it was, it was nice. It's, it's a good, been a good start 2024. That, that was fun for me <laughs> being asleep <Yeah>. on time. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds better. Like I was at a, I went to a little house party, just a few mm -hmm. friends and, uh, we're watching Times Square and yeah. a friend, he's, he pointed out, he's like, yeah, see all those people? They're wearing diapers. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, once you go in, you can't come out and you're going to stand there for hours. So a lot of people wear diapers apparently. Yep. And uh, that doesn't sound too much like fun no. to me. Because they queue up, <laughs> I think, at 2 a.m. And then they're allowed into that area of Times Square at like 9 a.m. And that's like 24 hours basically that they don't go to the bathroom. So I didn't realize they so start fun. queuing up that early. Yeah, I think 24 hours earlier in some cases. And a lot of the people there are actually tourists. So, yeah. Oh I don't gosh. think any yeah. self-respecting New Yorker would try to go to, to be in the front of that show. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the other thing I was wondering is how come um, we just pick a random date like January 1st to start the year instead of an astronomically significant one like the winter solstice, December 21st. That would make more sense, but... You know, I don't know how we came about picking January 1st. Why not Yeah, April 27th? You know, That's one of the things that I think about, like in terms of re resolutions, like every day can be the start of a new resolution. You don't have to wait until some set date. Every day can be that date. So, yeah. Right, right. Well, hopefully 2024 is going to be a great one. I feel, I feel like 2023 for crypto was a rebuilding year. You know, mm -hmm. we had some, um, the developers were, had their heads down building and, um, and now we're going to reap the, that fruit. Right. And uh, yeah. the price recovered. You know, we, you know, I think we hit our, we started last year, maybe around 1200, I want to say, if, if I'm not mistaken. And now we're up to, you know, 2200 or so, 2300. So looking forward, we're going to break this down from kind of big macro down to Ethereum, down to Rocket Pool. Mm -hmm. So one thing I want to talk about is, you know, the big story of 2022 and 23 was inflation. And as we see from this chart, uh, monthly 12-month inflation rate is trending down as the Federal Reserve and other central banks would like to see. Um, as of November 23, the U.S. Uh, inflation rate was around 3.2%, I believe. And um, so that's, that's a good trend. Um, doesn't mean it'll go on forever, but we're heading in the right direction. And then Absolutely. the Fed, um, this is an article from the New York Times from just yesterday, uh, the 3rd of uh, January. So officials feeling better about inflation. That's the sentiment from the Federal Reserve. Um, one quote was uh, here, you know, officials had previously expected to make one final quarter point move in 2023, uh, which they ultimately skipped. Now Wall Street is focused on when they'll begin cutting interest rates and how quickly they'll bring them down. Um, so it's right now the Fed rates five and a quarter to five point five percent, and investors think in 2024 that could fall to three and a quarter to four percent by the end of 2024. So we'll see. 
Uh, at the very least, it seems like the rate hiking is has been paused. So investors like that, tech companies especially like that, uh, crypto along with it, um, because lower interest rates means easier borrowing and expansion. So any thoughts yeah. on uh, inflation or the Absolutely. Federal Reserve pivot? Yeah, so the idea is that, you know, you the Fed has two tools to uh, challenge inflation, right? Like they have the interest rates that they can they can target at two percent um, inflation to bring it to two percent, and they also have um, about unemployment to try to get that targeted as well. And they manipulate the interest rates, the short term interest rates, to um, bring that into line where they want it. The problem is that there's this idea going around now that they might have stayed tight for too long, and that you know the the impact of the higher rates will be felt this year so much so that we might get like even more like lesser inflation disinflationary like periods um so much so that you know it might cause some economic problems and depending on what indicators you're looking at either everything is amazing or everything is like on the verge of collapse <laughs> so no one really yeah. knows what's going on like with the fed themselves are saying that there might be three with three rate reductions in the coming year um, like in this article it says that there's five potentially coming but some if you look at the fed watch tool like there might be up to nine rate cuts that happened this year so like there's a whole lot of uncertainty about what this year is going to look like just how, where we're going to end up going and i think those are going to be some really key issues that we have to consider about how things are going to look in the year's time however like you said you know um interest lower interest rates tends to mean a more risk on environment and uh, that means you know investors are willing to take risks with their allocations and the assets they purchase and crypto being one of the riskier ones means that hopefully you know interest rate cuts will mean um, more money flows into crypto so that's what we want to see sure yeah the other macro thing is 2024 is a election year for the president of the United States. Generally mm -hmm. speaking, markets and, you know, at risk assets tend to go up. It's not 100%. Uh, but if we look, mm -hmm. um, this chart here is for VTI, it's a Vanguard total stock market. So this goes back to um, 2002, uh, 2002. So the elect there was election in 2004 you can see we're in the green 2008 it was a down year but that was uh that was the Great financial decision. meltdown if you remember mm -hmm. okay the next presidential election was 2012 again we're up 16 percent then of course 2016 up about 13 percent and then 2020 up 21 percent so you know folks say well hey generally stocks and uh, that type of thing is, goes up in these election years. Generally, the stock market goes up more times than it goes down. So I'm not sure how much correlation. However, you know, it's just one other factor to consider when we're talking macro stuff. Yeah, it makes sense for the incumbent to do what they can to boost, you know, stock market and people's money just so they feel good about the politician who's in charge so they can win another term, basically. So I wouldn't mm -hmm. expect that to be diff any different this year. Sure. Okay, now we're on to bullish, potential bullish stuff for Ethereum. Of course, we all know um, several Wall Street firms have filed for a spot ethereum etf um, i believe the first date 
you know, that the SEC has to decide by is sometime in May of this year. Uh, of course, BlackRock is the biggest of the fish who did that. Um, we're recording this on January 4th, and it seems imminent that the BTC ETF will be approved, you know, in the next few days or perhaps early next week or sooner, who knows. Um, so what this, this, you know, could be a nice way for inflows to come into the uh, Ethereum and that would have positive price impacts. Uh, how much and how quickly, we don't know. Uh, do you have any thoughts on um, how the spot Ethereum ETF will impact markets? Yeah, so taking a step back, the Bitcoin ETF will be approved likely tomorrow. We'll find out that, you know, everything's got their approval and then they'll be able to start trading next week. Um, and there seems like there'll be a whole bunch of ETFs that will go live at the same time. Now, the thing about the Ethereum ETF is that once, you know, you've gone through all the paperwork and gotten everything ready for the Bitcoin one, it'll just be, you know, control F and replace everywhere that's mentioned by Bitcoin, replace it with Ethereum, right? So all the issues and problems that the SEC has brought up during the Bitcoin cycle will likely, you know, be the same things that they want to see for the Ethereum one. And then by matching everything exactly, there should be no reason why the Ethereum ETF doesn't go through. So I'm very bullish on the Ethereum ETF being approved. The next step, however, is, you know, what will the inflows be like into the Ethereum ETF? Now, here mm -hmm. is where my perspective might be slightly contrary to others, is that I think people will be waiting for a staked Ethereum ETF. I think that's the main thing that's going to happen. And once you get a staked Ethereum ETF, that's where the inflows are going to go wild. With a spot Ethereum ETF, just a regular like ETH token, I think, you know, it'll be good, but it won't be like mind blowing. So that's one of the things that I'm going to be like really keeping an eye on that one. Now, I think what might happen is as soon as the Bitcoin ETF is approved, you know, these these firms will start getting an idea of where the SEC stands with them on the Ethereum one. And once they start getting like green lights and like positive, positive feedback, that's when they'll start working on their staked ETF, staked ETFs. And we should have those out in the next, I think like the applications should be going through in the next like three to six months with, with the product being launched, hopefully by the end of 2024. Now that would be really exciting, but also kind of worrying because it might be a huge centralizing force on Ethereum. We're taking big chunks of stake. So there's a lot of these question marks, but I think those, that's kind of like the timeline that I'm seeing or what I think just from the information that I've gotten from all these other people. And um, I see no reason to, to doubt their, their uh, predictions. Gotcha. I'll now, take the contrary if... view. Yeah, I'll say ahead. that I think it's going to be a while before because that ETH, ETH and BTC are very similar and staked ETH is mm -hmm. a whole nother animal. I think that CC is going to put the brakes on that for a while. Um, yeah, but there's all kinds yield, of questions. And I know that, that, oh, I know that, yield. I know that the, I'm not saying that, that the applications yield. won't come yeah. in. I just think that the the Fed or the SEC is going to say, well, how, how is this going to work? Are you going to set up validators yourself or are you going to use a third party? How is that going to work? Who's going to take custody? Yada, 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 you know, all these questions. So yeah. I hope you're right. But I, I do worry about the centralization because you start dumping that much money into um, um, staked ETH and it, it might be a centralizing force. So. Hugely, but yeah. Good, good the, the thing that we'll, I was thinking is, we'll can, can you, 
can you imagine if they use Rocket Pool as their staking software? So <laughs> Let, let's talk about that next. <laughs> yeah, that would be There's that would be good. Yeah, <laughs> I think then the I think the SEC would be. Do you think they know the nuance between decentralization and centralization? They might, they might worry about, oh, wait, you're going to have this custody amongst thousands of node operators. We'd feel yeah. much more comfortable with a big one like Coinbase or mm. something like that, right? Well, I, Coinbase already has too much share and that, that's going to get scary really quickly. So, Well, we, th we think so, but SEC, mm. I don't think, I don't think yeah. they worry about, you know, centralizing, centralizing, centralizing factors, you know, that's yeah. not. Anyways, that's, we'll keep an eye on that because I think you're right. Eventually, Wall Street loves yield and they're going to want to push for uh, something that provides yield because that's a real, yeah. that's a nice marketing um, tool that it can use. Okay. Absolutely. The next ET, um, uh, ETH um, catalyst, uh, we got the Dan Kuhn, um upgrade coming probably in March. It's going to, you know, there's several things in it, but 48, EIP 4844 is a big one. Um, I think another successful upgrade is always good for the network. Um, this is going to create a, a separate fee market for L2s. We're expecting yeah. that it will reduce transactions down to pennies, if not less. That is expected to help developers develop new applications, perhaps things we haven't even thought of that could go mainstream and uh, create real use cases. So yep. this is, again, you know, Ethereum's moving forward. It, it's slow and methodical, but it, you know, they pump out an upgrade once every nine to 12 months, it seems. Uh, and it's, I think it's a, it's a good, it's always a good thing when we push forward and make changes. So what are your, what are your thoughts on the upcoming Dan Kuhn upgrade? Yeah, there's, there's proto-dunk sharding is definitely the headline EIP in this upgrade. Um, it's going to make layer twos have independent fee market through blobs and they, they cost is going to go down by 10 times, basically like down to pennies, like you said, which is, which is amazing. Um, thankfully the IMC is already in a position where we're incentivizing our ETH use on layer twos, which I think is going to be a huge thing going forward. In fact, I, I, I think, you know, next few months, potentially we'll start paying more for liquidity on layer twos as a whole compared to layer one, like, you know, 50% split basically between layer one and layer twos, all the layer twos, mm -hmm. and maybe even more later. But of course, you know, you need that liquidity on layer one to be able to um, help, help um, keep the peg uh, in place. But that's, that's what my thought is, you know, going forward is like a whole lot of people are going to move on to layer twos and that's what, um, it's going to be wonderful for everyone like involved because Ethereum is going to be fun and cheap to use again. Now there's another EIP in, in Cancun, um, 4788, I think, which is Beacon State route. Um, and that is going to be a really big deal for Rocket Pool, uh, because it's going to help uh, reduce in the, you know, in the medium term, some, um, uh, ODAO duties also it's going to make things easier for people like NodeSet who we're going to be talking about later but um, that that's the one to look at and then the following upgrade after that's going to have a whole lot of things to make staking better which is really exciting as well so that's going to be I think Electra coming yep. in coming at the end of the year and speaking of Electra um, mm -hmm. which is the next upgrade so I'm projecting that's going to be given we're usually too optimistic about upgrades. So I'm going to say this will be Q1 2025. Mm -hmm. All right. That's my projection for the next upgrade after Dan Kuhn. Yeah. 
Um, what's going to potentially be in it? Oh, here's, so this is, a, I think, a catalyst for, we're kind of starting to get into more rocket pool stuff, um, staking in general. There's a, a EIP 7002, which is execution layer triggable exits. Um, and then the other one that to keep an eye on is EIP 7251, increase the max effective balance. Um, why don't you, if you could tell us, Wack, explain to our listeners each of these EIPs and how they would impact Rockapool in a positive way. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the triggerable exits first, right? So say there's a node operator. Now the node operator starts behaving badly. Uh, we see mm -hmm. that, you know, they are trying to steal MEV or something along those kind of lines. We can just kick them out of the validator set. So as a protocol, you know, when someone's acting badly, you can get rid of them, which is a huge stick, you know, because we don't really have many sticks right now for bad bad acting node operators, misbehaving node operators, this will be a huge stick that we can use. Max effective balance helps the Ethereum network overall by potentially reducing the validator count by the 50 to 75%. So, you know, we're at 900,000 validators right now. A whole lot of those validators are run by people who have multiple validators. They'll be able to consolidate those validators into one validator, which means um, with the, with the, with the uh, with the beacon chain and with the Ethereum network itself, it would make it more um, communicative between you know the different uh, validators that are running. It'll be uh, the load on them will be less, so we can you know put more load onto them in response. So we could potentially get bigger blobs. We could potentially you know it would pave the way for execution layer sharding potentially or some kind of um you know optimization on the execution there which would be really good and for rocket pool we're not exactly sure what it might look like for rocket pool yet but it it could be that you know we change the way the mega pools work with with this idea so those then there's some other things as well that that is not mentioned here like um max slash so that's something that's been talked mm -hmm. about because right now if there's correlated slashing, you could potentially uh, get slashed to, I think, um, you know, 32 ETH. Basically, if a geth has a problem, everyone on geth gets slashed, you could lose all your ETH. Whereas with a max slash EAP would mean, you know, there would be a punishment limit set on how much ETH you would lose, whether that's 2 ETH or 4 ETH. And a huge benefit of that for Rocket Pool would be being able to reduce the... LEB requirements and mega pool requirements. So, you know, we could potentially get down to LEB fours quite easily with these changes. Uh, maybe um, with uh, mega pools, you know, we could have the first validator be eight ETH, then the second one be four ETH, and then after that, two ETH for some of them, and then down to one ETH potentially, even if we get some of these changes in place. So, for Rocket Pool, there's some really positive stuff that's going to come with this. I think this is going to be an upgrade that will kind of really ignite uh, interest in staking again because this is, is it will likely be quite a staking heavy um, um, upgrade, hard fork, and um, I'm I'm really ready for that narrative to like kind of catch um, for for Rocket Pool. I think it's going to be a really big deal. Yeah, and I think what'll happen, Wack, towards once Dan Dan Kun goes through, we start to get in the second half of twenty twenty four, the narrative will will start talking about staking again. Right. Yeah. And that that's been pulled off, you know, that narrative has kind of shifted away from staking, like our RPL and LDO and it's been focusing on other things right now. I think people are thinking L twos. 
That's yeah. a hot thing. And I think we're going to swing back around because people are going to see, hey, what's in the next upgrade? Oh, look at this. This is going to benefit Rocket Pool. And this will benefit Rocket Pool. And holy cow, that's going to really work well with Mega Pools. And um, so I think we're going to see that towards um, the second half of 2024. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to, let's talk about uh, node set. Okay. Um, I think this is a, could potentially be a huge benefit for Rocket Pool. And I wanted to point out a uh, comment here by Wanderer. Uh, Wanderer and Nick have been uh, working heads down for about a year or two on NodeSet. They're expected to launch, I think, in quarter one uh, towards the end or early quarter two, I believe, right? Yeah. And he, he makes a, uh, he responds to a comment here. Has anybody done analysis on estimations on how much NodeSet could scale and Wanderer says, infinitely, as long as RETH, XRETH, and XRPL have enough demand, Constellation will keep making mini pools. With Constellation, Justin Sun could dump 100,000 ETH in the rocket pool, just like he did with Lido, except he'd earn more. Okay, let's say that again. A whale could come in and dump thousands of ETH, in, which they can't do to rocket pool right now because we got their... You know, deposit pools limited at 18,000. It's usually full. But someone could just come in and drop thousands of ETH and it'd be absorbed like a sponge and they'd earn more than if they did it with Lido. Um, any thoughts? Yeah, like, okay, so I'm going to be the stick in the mud a little bit here. Um, and I agree that technically speaking, Wander is right. Yeah, but that as long as is doing a whole lot of work here, like there's going to be market dynamics at play that, that are going to be issues mm -hmm. like they're going to be real issues now hopefully you know they'll they'll be able to fix up on their side and they'll they'll have the flows working which would be absolutely amazing however like i think you know we should temper expectations a tiny little bit because with rocket pool right like there's two sides that need to be in balance for the protocol to grow like you need node operators coming online mm -hmm. and you need there to be re demand so that's what you need for rocket pool to grow with um with node set here with constellation you know the, the integration with rocket pool like just as one of the mentions here there's three things that then need to be synced up so there's re demand for rocket pool then there's also xre demand that's people depositing eth into node set and then there's xrpl demand which is people depositing rpl into node set so those are the things that they, there's an additional level of things that need to be considered that isn't there with rocket pool now mm -hmm. they've Definitely, there's the scope of them, you know, ironing those out and like smoothing those out, and there being the case that this will happen. Don't get me wrong; I'm insanely bullish on on Node Set too. You know, I've been raving about them for quite a while. The thing is, though, like I think um, I, I kind of learned from past mistakes, where now I'm kind of tempering expectations a little bit because you know I'm I'm huge cheerleader and I love Wonder and Nick. You know, I know them personally and. Um, I've talked to them many, many, many times and I love the work that they're doing, but I think it's it should be responsible by saying that, you know, we have to see what what's going to happen with, with those three areas now instead of just two areas. So um, we, we need to see how much our ETH demand there is. We need to see, um, you know, if they're going to get ETH deposits. I think there's a whole lot of people waiting to deposit their RPL into NordSet. But then the issue becomes like, you know, who's going to deposit their ETH into NordSet? And that's something that they're going to have to work on. And I don't know the details of that, but I'm hoping that, you know, they'll have some 
they'll have some ETH lined up for a good start because if they can build that momentum from the beginning, then I think they can like, you know, really gain a lot of a lot of momentum after that as well. But you know, I'm hoping that they they do a great job. I'm hoping that Rocky Pool they help themselves and Rocky Pool grow because I think that would be wonderful for everyone. You gotta be a stick in the mud. This is a bullish podcast here, okay? Hey, did you listen to what I said though? I, you know, I the words that I said were like really bullish. Like it's gonna be amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just. I think it's gonna be really, really good for us all. Yeah. One question I had was, and I, maybe this goes into more of the mechanics of Node Set is, say, some Justin Sun comes along, he puts in a hundred thousand ETH. Mm-hmm. You have to have a corresponding amount of RPL mm-hmm. to stake with it. Yeah. So if you don't have, I mean, say you have, you don't have, I mean, I, I, I don't know the math, but say you don't have enough, you know, say just for purpose, state, uh, argument purposes, you need a million RPL to match up with that 100,000 ETH. Well, what happens if you only have 700,000 RPL laying around and then therefore you, you yep. couldn't stake all of it, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think so. Yeah. But in any event, I think it's node set is exciting uh, to watch. Yeah. I think uh, I expect the it's the rollout to happen first half of this year, so we'll keep an yeah. eye on that. The other question about node set is, <clears throat> uh, hey, if I'm a node operator, how much am I going to get to participate in node set and have the uh, node set use my machine and rent space essentially to run these mini pools and. Uh, here's some math in the Discord. So it's they asked me about maybe 0.06 ETH per mini pool. Uh, so if you had, say, you're running 10 of them for node set, that would be 0.6 ETH. And you know you can do the math from there. So not a bad return for really doing no more work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just installing the sidecar that, you know, because Joe's working with them, I'm hoping will be a seamless integration into the smart node stack. It'll just be a, like an add-on that you can just add on basically to your smart node stack and, and off it goes. Um, you know, it'll still use the same consensus and execution client and like using one instant instance instead of, uh, you know, like a new instance or a new node that you need or anything like that. And for the vast majority of us, you know, we could run hundreds of validators without any issues. So, um, it's going to be really, really easy to use, uh, hopefully. Um, and um, it, they've already got 150 node operators signed up now. So uh, that's really exciting. Um, and if they get, you know, 10,000 validators, that would be really nice to start with, you know, in the next six months or a year. If they can mm-hmm. get more than that, I think that would be amazing. Right, right. Yeah, because um, if you, had, you start off with 10 mini pools and then say, the, it grows and now you have 20 you're not doing any you're not doing twice the amount of work you're hardly, as a node operator you're mm-hmm. just adding more on your machine and as we said these machines can run hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of mini pools if needed yep. and so um yeah it's for a node operator who's you know keeping uh, an eye on their attestation rates and their efficiency it, you know i think the standard's 95 percent or higher this is just uh, easy money. There's no yeah, way, other, one, other way to say it. <laughs> yeah, one side effect of that as well is like it'll be nice for our holders because you're getting the best performant node operators mm. having more of the stake. So the the mm. inefficiency difference between Rocket Pool and say Lido or Coinbase, one of the big services, will start to go down as as you know the more performant node operators are running more validators. I think that's going to be a huge boost for everyone. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, and now on to Rocket Pool. What do we expect going forward? Um, this is um, a post uh, that was uh, issued by the Rocket Pool team, November eighth. You know, we've seen this before. We've got two major upgrades coming. We got Houston, which is uh, coming out hopefully by the end of the first quarter, mm-hmm. and then. We speculate maybe Saturn 1 and 2. Saturn's the next following upgrade. And, of course, these are going to make the protocol uh, more efficient, more attractive, um, more lucrative, all that stuff. Why don't we just hit uh, Houston first? I know we touched on this last week, but let's focus more on Saturn 1 and 2. So just a brief uh, on Houston first. Yeah, Houston's going to be... Two main things for Houston. The first one is going to make Rocket Pool more decentralized by bringing uh, DAO voting on chain. And the second thing it's going to do is make some um, staking tweaks to make people like Notes and others who want to share stake a little bit easier by having separate ETH and RPL withdrawal addresses, by having stake ETH on behalf of features built into the staking system as well as stake RPL that we already have. So these kind of things will make it a little bit easier for people like NodeSet to act in a slightly more trustless way. So this upgrade Houston and some of the stuff that's happening with NodeSet will kind of go hand in hand, which I'm really hoping will, you know, capture some narrative attention in the next few months as people start to understand what's happening. But like you said, the main upgrades coming this year for Rocket Pool, the big ones for Rocket Pool specifically are the Saturn one and two upgrades, which would likely be renamed at some point. Or one will say named as Saturn and will get a different name for the other one. It was supposed to originally be in one upgrade, but um, it seems like you know that's going to be broken into two upgrades now. I'm not sure what's going to go into each upgrade, but we can we can definitely talk about what the general idea of the contents of Saturn will be. <clears throat> so let's talk about uh, if we were to break it up into one and two. I know mm-hmm. on the two, we're talking megapools because some mm-hmm. of that is going to require some tweaks to the Ethereum protocol, which we were just talking about in Electra. What yeah. would be in maybe the Saturn 1? So Saturn 1 will likely have some um, changes to some of the contracts that you know we've passed through the, the PDAO, but <clears> need <throat> smart, smart contract changes to be included into the node. Now, let me give you a couple of <clears> examples <throat> of that. One of them is... Um, staking um, and making a new validator, even though you don't have 10% RPL. So that was a vote that passed. It kind of makes it easier to, you know, be anti, anti-Sybil attack. Um, and it just makes sense. Like the person still wouldn't get RPL rewards, but we're still bringing more stake on nine. That's fine. As long as they bring that 10% of RPL at that moment with the ETH that they're bringing. So, you know, you they'll still have to add some RPL but not bring their whole validator above 10%. So that's one of the things. Another thing is RPIP30 that recently passed, you know, the tokenomics changes for um, how uh, RPL rewards are distributed. That's going to be phased in through tree generation changes instead of through smart contract changes. However, the final phase of that will need a smart node, a smart contract upgrade so those are the kinds of things that you know the community is kind of wanted but you need smart contract changes to bring them in i think those are the kinds of things that we'll be getting in saturn one maybe other things too there might be um, the possibility of some form of like leb4 but that i think likely won't happen um because there's still question marks around you know forced exits and all that kind of stuff so Mm. saturn 2 will happen likely in junction with in conjunction with um 
the Electra upgrade. So that's kind of like the timing you'll likely be like at the same time, like, you know, a matter of days or, you know, a few weeks later, just to take advantage of the uh, the changes that are taking place in um, Electra uh, to bring them into Rocket Pool. And that's where I think we will get like some of the tokenomics works that we're doing now as a community that will get included into um, Saturn 2. So that will include things like mega pools, that will include things like rework tokenomics for, you know, staking without RPL potentially, uh, other MEV protection tools, uh, you know, the stuff that the community is working on right now will likely be included in Saturn 2. So that's going to be a huge upgrade. And the fact that it is in line with with um, Electra as well, you know, the Ethereum upgrade, hopefully, like you were saying, will catch that narrative huge tailwind. And hopefully we can get the same kind of movement that we got around um, Atlas and Shanghai coming together. I think that's what we'll see something along those kind of lines, like in terms of tailwinds for Rocket Pool. And I'm really, really excited about that. Yeah, it says here, um, they look at two different approaches for... Um... Uh, with the probably the second Atlas upgrade, you know, first approach to reduce ETH bond from eight to four. This requires more research to ensure it can be implemented safely. And then the second and pretty exciting approach is the new ETH flex bond. Uh, this would see a flexible amount of ETH required with a possible minimum of just one ETH required for a validator. Uh, again, that's still in the early research phase. So um, we'll find out more, I think, you know, obviously going through 2024, on uh, it's kind of more specifics on the uh, Saturn, but it's all all bullish. And once we, um, I think, combine, you know, we're looking at probably good macro with interest rates, the Fed pivot. We got Ethereum, EIP forty eight forty four, and that Dan Kuhn upgrade. We're going to be then talking about Electra towards second half, and then Rocket Pool. We got Houston. We've got um, Saturn. So what does that all mean? That means I'm going to make a prediction, Wack. You ready? Okay, let me hit it. 2024. Okay, <clears throat> so by the end of 20... So we're looking at what's the price of ETH going to be in 20, uh, December 31st, 2024? I'm going to say $6,600. Okay. I'm going to say the ETH, the ratio is going to be 0 0.017. Okay. And the price of... At that, at the price of uh, RPO will be $112. So that's what I'm thinking by the end of 2024. Mm -hmm. It's a little more conservative based on some other people's predictions, but um, you know, <laughs> hey, we can climb Mount Everest, you know, one, one foot at a time. I think we're gonna get up halfway there, I think by the end of this year. Yeah, a little bit like clarity on some of the points that I said last week. I think the all time high for RPL in terms of ETH will, um, well, sorry, not the all-time high potentially, but the high of, you know, the next period of like up to the leading between now and the peak of the bull run will happen around um, Saturn 2, potentially whatever it might be called, and Electra kind of happening in conjunction in that period. I think that's when we're going to get that um, that mania phase again for Rocket Pool. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, it's it's around 0 0.025, <clears throat> Hopefully there's, you know, there's arguments mm -hmm. to be made for it to potentially be higher than that. Um, if, you know, if we have a good year with Node set, you know, capturing a lot of attention and market inflows, 
and certain one goes through without a hitch it could be the case that you know we've built a really good platform going into that upgrade that we hopefully see right. something even better so um i'm still sticking with with 0.025 but i think that hopefully that might end up being kind of conservative but the timing for that won't be on december 31st necessarily it'll be right. in that period when you know we get saturn 2 and um electra happening and whether that's right at the end of 2024 or whether that's more likely to be at the beginning of 2025 like a year from now basically that's that's kind of the period that i'm aiming for and yeah that's what i'm really excited about yeah i think it's going to be good uh, you know assuming there's no black swans that come along, come along in 2024. Everything is looking good. I remember yep. back this time last year, you're thinking, what is 2023 going to bring us? And you're like, well, <clears throat> you know, I think we're going to be recovering. You know, this is an accumulation year that, you know, that type of sediment. This year, the narrative is just all positive, it seems. There's a, I mean, we just went over it. We spent 37 minutes talking about all the good stuff happening. So I'm uh, I'm positive. I think we'll three X and ETH from here, um, and RPL is going to have a resurgence, especially towards when we start talking about mega pools and Saturn. So, nice. to all our listeners, stay. Thanks for uh, watching. S stick with us this year. We're going to be covering all this exciting stuff, and our bullishness will hopefully yep. uh, reap us all rewards. Uh, mm -hmm. But thanks. We'll see you next week. And Wack, I uh, hope you're right about point oh two five. Yeah, I think I think that might end up being conservative. So I hope so. And remember, this is not a trading or financial advice. That's right. It's not financial advice. There's no. two guys just talking crypto. Don't follow any anything I just said. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. Because hopefully Thanks, I'm Pat. wrong, and it's you know ETH is ten thousand by the end of the year. So yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.